Try again, Peter. This time, do it right. <laughs> Fang! <laughs> and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, a one, two, three. Welcome back, Ravens Nation. We are back. It's the three of us this week. Chris is back. We want to thank correspondent K-Fish for joining us last week and filling in for our newly married friend, Chris, man. Good to have you back. Woo. Woohoo! All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, it was a nice week off. Like I was telling you guys before the before the show, uh, I did watch some of the Chiefs game while I was on my mobile plan in the middle of the islands of the Bahamas. So I think I used up all the data that I had left, but uh, I did get to watch most of the game, so I will have some notes for today. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back. We're happy to have you back, man. Our team can't win without you. That's what I know about the <laughs> That's game. what it looks That's like. Only, I think it, That's right. <laughs> But yeah, we didn't win this one. Peter was the closest with his bold predictions. As much as it may pay me to say that. Not because I don't like Peter and him being right. Just because I really wanted to win that one. Man, I wanted to be wrong. That's what I told you and Kfish last week. I was like, <laughs> I, I want my timeline to be the worst one. But it was the most accurate. I know. That's right. I got to say, I was uh, I was also listening to the second episode because you guys had released it, I think, after after I had already left. But I listened to it. Uh, on the drive back down and i gotta say <laughs> peter's predictions or uh i should say his concerns from week two were basically the exact same concerns that i had from after watching the kansas city game and i just thought that was just like oh man he like he already knew he knew what the problems were and it just they didn't get fixed not to the way that we wanted and that was ultimately our downfall mm. yeah i like when i'm overthinking things that wasn't the case, at least not for this game. <laughs> the Chiefs, unfortunately, I mean, Mark Andrews, he came in with that foot injury. We really don't know how how close to 100% he was, but he was taken away for most of the game. Hollywood, I don't think he had any catches the first half, and that was my question coming out of, out of last week. Is, I mean, we saw Andrews and Hollywood tore up Arizona last week, but if the defense takes those guys away... You know, are, are Hayden Hurst and Willie Sneed and uh, Nick Boyle ready to take over and be those guys in that case? And they all tried. They all had moments, um, especially Boyle. We got a shout out to him in an awards section later. I won't spoil that. That's a new segment we have coming up. But yeah, unfortunately, the pass game against Kansas City, the concerns I had coming into this game did rear their ugly head. But what the Ravens did do really well and in the second half was run the ball with Engram, who was just a beast. And Gus Edwards, they finally gave him the ball again as well. And he had some good carries. So despite the fact that the pass wasn't working, it was encouraging to see that, you know, we're still able to get the offense to move the chains and score some points when one side of the ball is not working. Yeah, we had 200 yards on the ground. And the fact that we didn't have more is kind of what frustrates me the most about this game. They never stopped it, but we didn't commit to it. We didn't establish the run. <laughs> I, It's a little frustrating. And yeah, like you were talking about Hollywood and his slow start. He got targeted nine times, only had two catches. Hmm. Similarly, Andrews was targeted seven times, only had three catches for 15 yards. And my bold prediction was right, but not in the way I thought it might be, where Hayden Hurst 
had two for 14. So very similar production from Hayden. But I thought both of them would be a little bit higher than that. Now, obviously, when we recorded, I didn't know that Andrews would be hurt. And I didn't know that Mr. Boyle was going to be uh, a superstar. But like we said, we'll get to that later. Yeah, and I mean, like, I get, I get why the Ravens had the game plan to be pass-heavy as they were. The Chiefs, like Harbaugh was saying after the game, you know, it's not a... It's not a field position game. It's a possession game when you're playing against the Chiefs. But at the same time, I think you got to stick to your identity going forward, which doesn't matter if the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Anthony Wright. I mean, the identity of the Ravens is establish the run to, and then that sets up your play action pass. That sets up your, your quarterback rollouts. Can you win passing as much? as we did yesterday and as we used to do with Joe, sure. But the Ravens, this this team is built like teams under Flacco. It's going to do better when you're running more than you're passing. Well, I mean, to be clear, I don't think the game plan necessarily was that we were going to throw the ball. I mean, I think we had a pretty good mix for the first couple of drives when the game was still not decided. But I think KC scored pretty quickly. Was it that second or third touchdown that... That I missed live, but the 80 some touchdown pass to uh, Hardman that kind of just blew the game up. And at that point, the Ravens were just playing catch up. So I'm actually surprised that they got that many yards that they did playing from behind. That's actually extremely surprising. But I do agree with you, Peter, that, you know, we obviously we don't want Lamar throwing that many passes a game just from the sheer volume of, you know, it's really hard to have that high of a completion percentage, you know, that many yards, that many touchdowns in that type of game. You, we're not really built to be a, a, that kind of team that can win those shootouts, and not many teams are, to be perfectly honest. See, I kind of always have rejected the idea of not being able to run when you're behind because, like, until the very last few minutes, as long as you're within basically two touchdowns, there's no reason you can't stick to your guns and like execute your game plan. I've never understood why people abandon the run when they're down. Maybe I'm just naive about it, but I feel like if that's your strength, like do it. It's fine. Like get down the field, score. That's more important than having a, a drive fizzle. Right. I mean, at least from what I saw, I mean, I, I kind of feel like they did that. I mean, which is why you saw Ingram with so many touches. And I will say, uh, I want to get to the, my bull prediction from week one because I kind of think that might apply for week three. <laughs> just saying i don't know how long it lingers <laughs> i wasn't here for week a week two. off of i wasn't one. here for week two so i'm gonna say them counts but uh, but um but no i mean i mean we, we didn't completely abandon the run i mean you know obviously ingram got his touches not as many as we wanted to probably originally but that's what we kind of had to deal with but it wasn't like those guys completely disappeared in the second half i mean they they were getting their carries before we go down more controversial things and the things that maybe didn't work out as well. I do want to just bring up that Lamar still turnover free this season, which is great. And Judon was one of the exceptions on defense showing up and performing well, getting another sack, which felt good because that was what I wanted really badly. When we were rewatching the game, I saw that he got a nice hit on Mahomes and that felt good because (laughs) <laughs> I was like, we need to get him rattled, you know? We got to get him out of his zone. And I think that's one of the things we, we didn't get to do enough of. Yeah, definitely. Before we get to Judon, though, I, I will say for the, for the Lamar, um, 
being still being turnover free. That's actually a huge stat, at least for me, <laughs> as somebody who was a little lukewarm on Lamar last year. One of my main concerns with him was all of the turnovers <laughs> that he had last year, and that was I was really worried this off season. And, you know, we probably have this on take from some of the earlier podcasts of, you know, my concern with, you know, if he doesn't get this thing fixed, then we're going to have a problem. This is, it's been really, really, really good to see that not only is he making those strides as a passer, but we're not seeing those turnovers from him. That tells me he's definitely been putting in the time to improve his play from last year significantly, and which is absolutely awesome in my book. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with that. And um, also what Alex second point about Judon, I mean, he's had a sack in each of the first three games this year. And I think that was another thing we were looking at coming into this season was just um, seeing more consistency out of out of Judon. And so it's great to see him, you know, not only has he had a sack in each game, but he's constantly in the backfield. You know, he's got quarterback hits. Unfortunately, had a penalty that was a bit of a, a backbreaker. You know, he needs to play smarter than that. But through the first three weeks of the season, we're seeing a turnover-free Lamar and a very cons- much more consistent Judon, which are both great things to see that we were hoping for coming into this year. Spend some, some more on the positives there. But unfortunately, it was not all good. Unfortunately, I mean, the biggest thing takeaway that I took, and I think a lot of Ravens fans took out of this game that, you know, we kind of saw last week, but we're just also kind of like, eh, well, they're looking past the Chiefs, you know, it doesn't mean that much because they still won, is the pass defense outside of Marlon Humphrey. I mean, (laughs) so Mahomes, I look back at last year's game, so Mahomes still gashed us for 377 yards last year compared to 374 like he did on Sunday but that included an overtime period and also he did that on on 35 completions as opposed to 27 as was the case Sunday so yeah not we were kind of expecting this year's secondary to be better than last year's not perform worse now we know Jimmy Smith is banged up no Tavon Young this year but Still hoping for a little better, right? <laughs> well, Humphreys was out for a couple drives, too, in the end of the first half, which is when they were putting up their points. So I think that also didn't help. We were we were down all three of them. Yeah, that's true. And you can't be down your top three corners against Kansas City, even if Tyreek Hill is out, and expect good things to happen. It's just not. <laughs> They're too good for that. They definitely are. And uh, it really hurt. When Averett whiffed on that fumble on the first drive, I mean, we could have really had a huge momentum swing there. Now, granted, we did strike first, which was awesome. We did score first. I think that would have been huge. You know, that that turnover would have been just such a a demoralizing start for them. And we didn't get that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We still stopped them from scoring and scored first in the game. I don't know if that one would have been the difference in the game. But I the one where... Yeah, w- the impact, not as much. Yeah. It was more, more momentum play. Right. I think the big impact one was when Brandon Carr's interception was taken away because of a questionable oh, yeah. pass interference call against Tony Jefferson to the guy who wasn't even the intended receiver. Right, he was just at the area. Yeah, that one was more more of a, of a backbreaker, I think. But 
but yeah, still, like Alex said, if you have if you're presented the opportunity with getting the turnover, you want to be able to get that, especially after coming out last week and they didn't get any turnovers against a Arizona offense with a rookie QB and rookie head coach to come out of Kansas City with also no turnovers. Is they got to uh, get back in the ahead in the turnover battle. Right. I think it's interesting that uh, I believe it was uh, Jeff Zerbeck reported that uh, Harbaugh was calling out the, the linebackers in the secondary. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll have to put a link to it in the show notes. But yeah, it, we've got a lot of good players on this defense, but you know, there's a lot of young players too, and this guy's got to step up. Judon and McPhee can't really carry the team by themselves at least from the pass rush you know we need those other guys still Bowser Williams to step up it seemed like we were definitely getting gashed a lot over the middle Um, you know I know we're down you know we were down almost three corners for some of that game but man you need you need some of those guys to step up I I thought it was surprising that we uh we we put Kennedy back in I guess we're you know really (laughs) Not that confident with Avery now <laughs> that we we decided to pull this guy up back up from our practice squad and stick him in at the the nickel spot. What what happened to uh, what happened to Cyrus Jones too? Yeah, I I, don't know. I, I thought at the you know at the at the end of the off season we were all talking about how he was going to take over Tavon Young spot, and now you know we haven't even seen that. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up because <laughs> he definitely the way the preseason was going was looking like. That was going to be his role, but uh, was he even active? He had zero snaps. Yeah, I'm looking at the inactives for Sunday. It was it was Jimmy, Trawick, McSorley, Powers, Alaka, Mack, and Scott. So presumably he was available. Yeah, no snaps. That's wild. He had two week one, but we didn't even need any cornerbacks to win that game. And then nine, 15% of the snaps on week two. So that's a that's a surprising change. One thing I heard too was that Anthony Levine wasn't on the field too much, but actually looking at the snap total, it seems like he was. He was on the field for twenty four percent of the snaps. The biggest downgrade was Averett going from one hundred percent of the snaps to forty one. Yeesh. Yeah, that's uh, and Kennedy's up from twenty two to forty six. Yeah, that that speaks to what what Chris postulated there that the coaching staff is already has a short leash on Averett. Right. Yeah, it, it really makes me question whether we maybe need to make some changes schematically to compensate for for some of the depth issues that we're seeing here. I mean, obviously one, I mean, we we need somebody to step up in that in that third corner spot because it seems like the coaching staff hasn't found a guy who's who who's really grabbed that role. But I think even that this game, I mean, showed that there were issues beyond that as well. I mean, I know Jefferson and Thomas both got picked on a good bit. I know some people have said that, uh, at least on Twitter and Reddit, that Earl Thomas just looked completely lost on some plays. And uh, I could kind of see it. There's a reason why we went after him. You know, he's, he's a really great player, but you wonder if there's some things that we might need to do to put them into better positions or make some sort of change to, to try and turn things around. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, do you, do you really think we're in that dire of a situation or is this just something that, you know, we can just chalk it up to, you know, new players, you know, just learning the the skills of the position? What do you guys think? I mean, part of it is just chalking it up to that the Chiefs offense is one of the greatest offenses of this decade, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. 
in today's mm-hmm. NFL with the way the game is, like a top offense is still going to have its way for the most part against a top defense. Now, we obviously know that's not the whole story because this team gave up a lot of big plays to Arizona and even gave up a couple big plays to Miami. I think with the secondary, so part of it, I think, is I think Earl Thomas may still be learning this defense. I mean, he's played his whole career with Seattle and he's coming here. And I know over the summer he was saying that he was still adjusting to, you know, how things are called here versus how they're called in Seattle. That might be part of it. But I think, like you were saying a couple points ago, Chris, with the pass rush, a good pass rush is going to make things easier for this secondary. I was watching in on Sunday's game, Tim Williams, I feel like he was in the backfield quite a bit. But it almost felt like watching it like the Chiefs were kind of letting that happen. And they were like never worried about him getting to Mahomes. And I think that kind of just tells you all you need to know <laughs> about the current state of the pass rush outside of Judon and McPhee is just that it's not affecting the quarterback at all. They're, they're not worried about these guys getting to them. They don't think that they're going to be a threat. And it just gives the quarterbacks more time to look downfield uninhibited, really. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the Chiefs will make every single fan podcast <laughs> for other teams worry about their defense. Now, granted, there are definitely things to learn from this experience. One question I have is, is Deshaun Elliott going to get a bigger role? I mean, he's only been on three snaps all season long. Didn't play at all on Sunday. I feel like he might be a solution. You know, they, they're worried about the linebacker situation. You can have him as a tweener between the two. Might be a, a better choice than keeping on the sideline. I don't know. But they'll continue to adjust. We don't really know what any of these teams are just yet. We'll need a couple more games out of them to really be able to decide what we're dealing with in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's the positive thing to take away from this game is that it is still, week three is still early in the season. I mean, if everyone, I don't know how many people remember week three last year, but the equivalent of this game was Jacksonville hosting New England, which Jacksonville won 31 to 20. Blake Bortles looked incredible. And, you know, (laughs) we know how the rest of the season went. So it's still plenty of time for for the Ravens to shore up these kinks. There's plenty of time for for a lot of teams to figure things out. I mean, you know, right now, it looks like the AFC North, the Ravens don't have that much of a challenge going forward. But, you know, there's time for even the Bengals and the Steelers to figure out these injuries and to make a run. So, you know, it's it's concerning. But this coaching staff, you know, the Ravens really know how to make second-half adjustments. So I think... I do think it is highly possible still, despite the secondary woes to start the season, that you're seeing a rematch of this game in January, like Earl Thomas promised after the game. Let's talk about that. It actually is another thing I think went well. They gashed us 23 points in the first half, but only 10 the second half. That's a winnable game. The way they were playing, I mean, we scored more points in the second half than they did. So it's definitely like there's a chance. <laughs> There's a chance. I, I I really think we can definitely beat this team. I think Harbaugh was right on the nose when he said that we get a little bit better and we win this game. It's, in my opinion, this was kind of a moral victory in a way that I'm okay with it. I think it proved that the Ravens are a great team, even though that we didn't get the result we wanted. 
Right. And that's why I was so annoyed when Twitter had these takes of like, oh, Ravens are an elite team. And I'm like, well, then no one is. You're saying that basically <laughs> only KC's an elite team, right. <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. They didn't even win the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> right. It's like KC, New England, and the Ravens, I think, are the elite teams in the AFC. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think those are the teams, if you asked KC, who are they afraid of? And they are afraid of us. They said that after the game. They said, you know, they really respect our team. Who are they afraid of? I bet you it's us and New England. No one else. Yeah, I mean, so New England and KC are definitely the two elite teams in the AFC. I would put us in the second tier right now with the likes of like Chargers. Chargers and Houston and... Maybe the Bills, although I don't think we know enough about the Bills to know if Ooh, they're... Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> the Bills do look good this year. Their defense has been very good to start this year. You can't deny that. But, I mean, the Bills... The, oh, understood. The, but I, I know what you're saying. The Bills, they've had hot starts in, in, in the the past and proven to be a pumpkin. Um, I actually think the Colts the Colts might actually be a wild card contender this year. I like, I like what I've seen I from them so to too. start the season. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I see the Ravens comfortably in that second tier, but they prove they can compete with KC. They did not prove yet that they can beat them, but Kansas City blew out the Jaguars and Oakland. Now Oakland's not anything to start this year, but Jacksonville, you know, they've got they played Houston tough, could have gotten that win. They just beat Tennessee. You know, Jacksonville seems like they're not a terrible team. Probably, you know, maybe like an eight and eight, nine and seven right now. But you got to respect that the Ravens were never out of this game. They never felt you never felt like they were going to win the game, but they were never out of this game. And that proves, like Alex said, that they're a lot closer to being an elite team in the AFC than than some of the hot takes were saying on Sunday. Right. Yeah, actually, that brings up a good point. Maybe we can swing over to this. One of the reasons why they were probably so close, I think, was that Harbaugh was so aggressive in some of the decisions that he made. Which were all awful decisions because the Ravens lost. Says, says, you know, people not thinking too hard about it. No offense if you do have that opinion. Calling in on the radio. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, mean, to be specific, so I think they were... were, uh, I think three for four on fourth down conver- uh, fourth down conversions. That number's correct. Right? Yes, sir. And we went for two three times, and I think came away with zero points total, I believe, which is actually huge when you think about it. I mean, we lost 33-28. We never yeah. actually said that in the beginning of the game. We should probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who didn't watch the game and have lived under a hole since Sunday, Ravens lost thirty-three to twenty-eight. <laughs> Get NFL we are game Ravens pass. Recap. You can watch it. We are, we are Ravens recaps. So we should probably you know start out with the score to recap the game. But anyway, thirty-three twenty-eight. So we didn't make any of our two-point conversions for when we went for it. So if we had, I mean, that would have made up for all those points. So I mean, even even if we had made one of those two point conversions, or maybe two of the three, or something, then we would have been within a field goal of like the last drive, right? So it would have made it a lot of a lot easier game. Now, at least for me, like I am totally one hundred percent with the game plan. I know there there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of good feedback. I think for Harbaugh for trusting the analytics on that side, and I, I know Alec, you're gonna have more thoughts on this, so I'll I'll finish up so you can talk soon, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, man you talk it's all good this is like alex thing for those of you who don't I know, know yet. i know i know 
but I, I will say like I'm, I'm totally on board with with being aggressive in those decisions because I mean just we've just been talking about this KC is one of those elite teams and you cannot play scared against those teams you need to play to win you need to get as many points as you can because field goals aren't going to cut it when Pat Mahomes can just throw it up make an amazing throw 80 yard touchdown and then just score touchdowns on you all day you just cannot get that to work so you need to score as many points as possible the only thing that I just didn't think didn't go so well is you know maybe just the execution of some of those plays maybe we go for some mm-hmm. more run plays with Ingram because we know what kind of day Ingram had you know three touchdowns at the end of the day maybe we give him the ball at some maybe we give Gus Edwards some some carries at the goal line and try and get these conversions in I think we just put a little bit too much on on Lamar got a little too cute with some of the play calls I think you know as the season progresses we'll try to figure out like you know, what are the right plays for that? It, it just so happened that this week that I just didn't think we had the right plays dialed up, but I think the strategy was there. I'm just nodding my head like crazy, Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. The play calling, I don't agree with from a perspective of trying to get cute with Lamar, trying to throw the ball, not necessarily throw the ball, but just the way that the plays were drawn up. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Particularly when Ingram was just, he looked unstoppable for most of the game. So I definitely agree that that was my only qualm. It's funny, I said that it had to be aggressive in this game. I did not anticipate for a moment they would be as aggressive as they were. But it was actually kind of cool to watch, and I was, I was cheering it on. I was watching the game downtown in, uh, at Abbey Burger in Fells Point, and there was some trepidation about not just taking the points. And I was like, nah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like it, yeah. Because the earned value of a two-point conversion in the NFL these days is actually higher than a field goal. It's over one point because you get a little bit over 50% of the time. Now, I, I understand we didn't get any this week. And uh, so what's that I have to say? And, oh, the momentum problem, which is, I think, absolutely valid and true. But I think the play calling is what needs to improve, but not the strategy per se. And I think... I like to see more of this in games that aren't as high profile, so to speak. Continue to test this. <laughs> but I'm curious if they will, because I think they might want to keep some of the two-point conversion plays under wraps. That's where it's a little difficult, too, with some of these play calls is that, you know, they thought maybe, you know, maybe the coaching staff thought that these plays were cute enough to work because the Chiefs wouldn't expect them. You know, I'm, I'm sure there was some decision about that, right? And, and, you know, they probably had, you know, of course, if they're going to call the play, then they have confidence that this play is going to work, right? But you, you can't you can't call too many of those plays because then, you know, obviously now teams are going to have film on that. They're going to be able to game plan against them. So it's kind of... Three-dimensional chess. It's all yeah, it's, just a lie for the playoffs. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of an interesting strategy of, of like how much, you know, how many cards do you lay down, right? How many plays do you actually, how much of your hand do you tip, right? Because you don't want to show too much. Yeah, this is uh this is boring podcast, but I agree with everything both you said. <laughs> and the the I, a lot of people, a lot of fans are upset about the calls because they didn't work, but like I heard someone else say the whole reason that the Ravens even got a 6-point lead to start the game rather than 3-point lead is because we went for it on fourth down and that play did happen to work. And I think, you know, when you do get an offside call, the Ravens were going to go for the extra point in that first drive, but the Chiefs were offside. So, you know, you're one yard closer to the end zone. Yeah, I know, I understand the field, you know, is is small, but I think it was the right call to go for it there. I just think that the play call they did was 
either not the right one or it wasn't disguised well enough. You know, you can take your pick as to which it was, but you got to be aggressive against these teams. You know, like I was saying in, coming into this game, the Chiefs are a slightly better roster. They're more experienced than the Ravens, so the Ravens got to try something to get an advantage. I think I applaud Harbaugh for those decisions, despite the fact that they didn't work. And I think we're all in agreement on that. Right. Anytime you make a decision and things work out and you look like a genius, but they don't work out and you look like an idiot, they're probably good calls. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like that's like how I kind of see it. Like if we would have had the opposite take, if things went well and be like, oh, he's a savant. He knows exactly what to do in every situation. Then they probably actually weren't bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> just right. what you don't want to hear is that you know you do something it works but then people are like that was so stupid i have no idea how that worked you don't want that kind of like throwing the ball all the way across the field and having sneed basically intercept it <laughs> to get the catch oh my god that or the uh the seth Street roberts ball. catch <laughs> yeah both of those plays. yeah I, two hero balls from lamar him trying Oof. too hard but it working yeah. out for him that kind of stuff will bite you in the ass sometimes. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad it worked, but that, that was the kind of thing where you're like, eh, maybe yeah. not do that again. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, we're talking about why the Ravens needed to go on fourth down. I think that was something that I was noticing. I'm actually watching NFL Game Pass right now as we're doing this, rewatching the game, and we rewatched some of the game last night. I, it, Lamar's... I think he's making it a little difficult for himself because there were some plays last week. And I think every quarterback does this, but, and he's young, but there were definitely on some of those third down plays where they led to those fourth down calls where he had Snead open or he had Hurst or someone was, was open and he just didn't get to that read and started scrambling before he could, he could see that, but he'll improve on that. But that is something he's got to work on going forward. And hopefully get a better mastery of that than Flacco ever did. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I speak for a lot of fans, too, you know, that uh, I think people have confidence in Lamar to do that. He seems like he has the right attitude for it. Not that Flacco didn't, but Lamar is definitely much more, I think, vocal about it and is very self-critical. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely amazing just the improvement that we've seen from year one to year two with Lamar. And I... You know, I, I don't doubt that we'll see more improvements from him throughout the season. We need to see some more out of these wide receivers outside of Hollywood as well. Boykin has been a bit of a disappointment these first three games. Sneed and Roberts, they get catches here and there. I'm starting to wonder if maybe it's time for the Ravens to, you know, give our, our boy for the preseason, Jaleel Scott, a look. I, I don't know if he's going to perform any better, but could he perform any worse? I mean, this guy, he looked like he was... He had finally put himself together in the preseason. He was a, really good at blocking. He was getting open. Tall body that's good for the red zone. Maybe we need to to give Moore or, or Boykin uh, a game off and see what Scott can do. Yeah, I will say that's that's one definite reason I want to get the uh, want to get Game Pass uh, up and running is Boykin. Yeah, he he has definitely been a surprise. I mean, he's definitely dominated snaps. You know, I've I've taking a look at him on, on a lot of routes and he's just it seems like he's just not getting open or Lamar's not seeing him I mean he has what three three targets two receptions I believe I mean after the touchdown week one 
just haven't seen him at all. That's, you know, very surprising, I think, given, you know, that he was just dominating the preseason. He had so many looks during the preseason. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd definitely be open to seeing more of him, particularly because, like you said, Peter, like it's probably not going to be that huge of a drop-off between a guy like Boykin or Roberts. Yeah, I mean, just just see what you have. I don't know if you want to do it this week again in a key game with Cleveland, maybe next week against Pittsburgh. As weird as it is to to say that sentence that you want to test out your young wide receiver in the less <laughs> important game against Pittsburgh, but <laughs> outside of Hollywood, you're not getting production out of the wide receiver position, at least not on a consistent basis. Might as well see what you have from every every player who plays that position on your roster. Right. So we've talked a lot about the game. Do we want to we want to move on to our our new segment, Moral Victories? So this is something that I just came up with the other day, just kind of, you know, a little fun little category to help soften the blow of on a lost week. I put together some Moral Victory Awards to uh recognize some players for accomplishments made yesterday in spite of the loss. So the first award up is the Congrats on the Career Day Award. Nick Boyle, I don't know if anyone noticed, and I double-checked this with his stats. Career day for receptions, or receiving yards, 58. His previous career high, I think, was like 40 in week one against Buffalo last year. So props for Nick Boyle. He was the leading receiver yesterday with only 58 yards, but it was a career day for him. So good job, Nick. There you go. Yay. <laughs> Next award is Props for Innovation That Will Probably Never Work Award. Justin Tucker with that interesting idea of the pooch kick, drop onside kick. I don't even know what we want to call that or how that was ever supposed to work, but I liked it for thinking outside the box. And if it did work, you got great field position at probably like the 40. <laughs> right. So I I thought I read a... I think it was, was a tweet from Jeff Zrebeck about that, and I thought Harbs explained that as a way to basically force them to fair catch so we would have a second before the two-minute warning. So basically, we would have had two timeouts. So I think, and that's actually, it did work. Okay, that's right. If that was the the aim of it, then I think, yeah, it 100% worked because the Ravens did need that right there. Now, it ended up not mattering because, you know, the defense couldn't stop the run, but... (laughs) Can't set the edge like we keep talking about. If they stop that one play and Lamar gets the ball again with a minute, I'm telling you, we win. I, I just believed in that boy. I think I think he would have fire in his eyes like you don't even know. I mean, you, you saw his force of will touchdown run where he just juked and spun and did anything he needed to to get in there. He would have gotten it done. I just know it. I just know it. I was so sad I didn't get to see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, we stopped the run there. Let's say we convert on one or two or more of those uh, two-point conversions. We might have only needed a field goal to win the game or tie it, right? So, you know, we were so close, man, so close. So close, not quite there, though. All right, the next award is the Totally Unnecessary Expenditure of 100% or 110% Effort Award. <laughs> Which goes to our man, Mr. Hayden Hurst, on the first play of the game for like bobbling an errant pass by Jackson like five times before finally securing it and getting <laughs> tackled right on the spot for a three-yard gain. <laughs> it's the hardest you'll see an NFL player work to just gain three yards, but good for Hayden Hurst, always showing effort, at least in that case. <laughs> oh man, I must have missed that one. Yeah, Dang. it was the very, very first play of the game. It was like a 
a play action bootleg and Hurst was there. Jackson threw it low and Hurst saves it with his left hand, kind of bats it up in the air and he's grabbing at it two or three times before catching it. But then there was nowhere to go with it once he secured it. Man, man. Speaking of Hayden Hurst though, that guy, again, I think we talked about it earlier with, with Lamar maybe not having the time or, or uh, to go through all of his reads. But man, from what I've seen, Hayden's getting open. He's he's been having some good routes. He's been getting open. He's just he's just not seeing those looks. It's such a shame. Yeah, everyone on Reddit saying the same thing. Like, is it just me or is he getting open like a lot? Yeah, that was the reason he was a first round pick, man. Which just it's so hard to get two tight ends involved. Hey, three tight ends, man. Didn't you hear about the first award? Boyle's getting in there too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, tr- that's true. That's true. All right, the next award is the He Cannot Be Stopped Award, which goes to our man Mark Engram. He was just a total beast yesterday, just gashing the Chiefs' interior for 103 yards, I think, and three touchdowns. Yeah, 16 carries. Which was the most, tied the most for a Ravens player in a game. Got to see more of him and Gus Edwards together, I think, against Cleveland. But we'll get to that when we get to the game preview for that. And then the last award I had was the Unsung Hero Award. I think Ronnie Stanley has quietly had a very solid first three games of the year. And at least when we had trouble with pass protection, I don't think it was coming from his side too often. I may not have been watching close enough, but it seemed to be coming from Orlando Brown and up the middle more so than the left side. But I think Ronnie Stanley has been a bright spot along with Yonda to a shaky offensive line to start the year. I definitely agree with his unsung heroes, Peter. And I guess with that, we'll end our episode talking about a disappointing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think we all hope and expect to play again later this season. We're going to try something a little bit different and do our prediction in a second episode later on this week. But for now, we'll be signing off. Again, please tell your friends about Ravens Recap. Let us know if you prefer this format. You can email us anytime about anything at feedback at ravensrecap.com. And you can support us on the Patreon patreon.com slash Ravens recap. Yet again, my card, although it did change at the last minute because I thought McCoy might go out, still made money. So I'm telling you, it's the only Patreon that actually pays you back. (laughs) All right, guys. Until later this week. Everything got of me. They're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. Believe that. Believe that.